Rudy Mancini grew up during the Great Depression, and that means he spent a lot of time hungry. It's impossible for the breadwinner to feed a family. My dad used to say, we got more dinner times than dinners. To help feed his four siblings, Rudy took to the city dump. The only way a kid could make any money at all was picking up scrap metal. Everybody was in it, even young, old, take off in the morning, you know, small armies, and pretty soon, Everything is picked clean. New sources of metal were guarded like an Italian guards an old mushroom patch, you know, we don't want anybody to find it. So he often had to desperately compete for every piece of metal he could find. And he knew what he needed to do to get what he wanted. Use his fists. There was a kid called Mickey McKee. He was a little tough little Irishman and we had some real classic brawls. Just one morning, I picked up a few pieces here and there. Ugh. And look, and there's this Mickey McKee, you know. Mickey wanted his loot, and Rudy wasn't about to give it up. And pretty soon we're at it, and we're wrestling around. We roll into a ditch, and it just so happens that this Sammy Angott, the fighter, was doing road work. Sammy Angott was a star boxer, and he was also Rudy's neighbor. He reached down, broke up the fight, He said, Rudy, I told you about this. What are you rolling around like a drunk in a bar? Why don't you learn to box like I asked you to? I don't know about Sammy. You could make more money in one fight than it'd take you three months to pick scrap metal. Uh, Well, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Rudy went to the Bronson House Boxing Club gym that week and made the team right off the bat. It was such a popular sport Even though there was massive unemployment, fight clubs sprung up in church basements, old warehouses and barns. It was uh, three rounds, a dollar per round, 10 bucks if you win, see. Five dollars could feed a family of three for a week. And Rudy was winning. I was making more than my dad. I remember how proud I was and handed Mama uh, my first $5 bill to help out with the groceries. She couldn't believe it, you know. Here it was like a 16-year-old boy bringing home that kind of money. Fighting came naturally to Rudy. He had spent so much of his life literally fighting to survive. And now it was finally paying off. Your stomach is just churning. But then when you get into the ring and the bell goes on, it all goes away, and it's just a survival then. And then, wow, there is nothing like it. And then, with the write-ups in the paper and sometimes your photograph. But being a rookie, he did have a lot to learn. Take, for example, the time he and his club went to box for the inmates at the West Virginia State Prison. I was fighting fifth, which meant I had plenty of time. I had my robe on. I stretched out on a bench. I thought I'd get some relaxation. And I heard the guy say, let's go, Rudy, you're on. I said, no, it couldn't be. I'm on fifth tonight. He said, no, you've got to go on now. I remember walking into the arena, and they had a, like a chain-link fence running the length of the yard. And there was bleachers on one side where all the inmates from the institution were watching. The crowd was really, they were really raucous. They were stamping their feet and hollering, let's go, let's go, let's go. I said, whatever, they don't let us get out of here. So I noticed, I felt a little breeze kind of as I jumped to get into the ring. 126 pound featherweight, Rudy Mancini. 
My manager reached over on my shoulder and grabbed a robe, and I turned and I danced out to the center of the ring. His opponent advanced. And he started toward me like that. He had his guard up and he just dropped him like that. And he looked down, and I looked down, and I wasn't wearing any trunks. <laughs> yup, Rudy had leapt into the ring butt naked. It turned out he'd lent his trunks to another fighter, expecting to get them back before he went on. But in the confusion of the changing lineup, he hadn't had time to reclaim his pants. And the prisoners, and they're laughing, and it's just, just catcalls and scream and laughter. Rudy ran back to the dressing room, put on some trunks, and got right back out there. And I get a standing ovation. <laughs> that wasn't an easy decision that night. I always thought, well, the judges would never vote against me. After all, with all that working out, Rudy was looking good. And the ladies noticed. Yeah, there was a, a kind of groupies that hang around boxers. <laughs> but Rudy didn't care about any of them. The girl of his dreams was named Nancy. I met her at a dance at the pavilion. She was a very pretty girl, long black hair, very dark. Looked a little bit like Tantaleo in white cargo. Very sultry looking. Rudy had it all. The prize money, the girl, even a future. Remember that star boxer Sammy Angot? He went on to become world featherweight champion. And his manager wanted to turn Rudy pro, too. I would have been a professional fighter. But it all changed when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. I was drafted. Nancy went with Rudy to the train station to see him off. She told him that she would wait for him and kissed him goodbye. And Rudy left. We went in on D2, two days after D-Day. And so Rudy continued to fight. Overseas, the sweat and adrenaline were familiar. But that's where the similarities ended. This wasn't the ring. You couldn't tell when the next punch was going to hit. I don't know of anything next to boxing uh, is more brutal than war, you know. It's, uh... When I went into the service, I was fighting at 126 pound featherweight. I was tough as nails, and that's what really got me through a lot of the combat. The big thing was survival uh, artillery bombings, you know, when you're dug into a foxhole and you're pinned down, and explosions are going on all around you. I noticed a lot of guys would bleed. They would, they would, they would cough up blood after a heavy bombing from the stomach up. It would break something, you know, inside. Most of it was, it was pretty bad. On his worst days, Rudy looked at his picture of Nancy and dreamed about their future. We'd sit around, talk. Everybody would bring out their girl's picture and I'd pass it around everybody would go, wow, you know. He says, you know, if you buy the farm, I'm gonna go home and see her. That thing kept me going. Many times I felt like, God, I'm not gonna pull through this damn thing. And then I said, God, I've got to for her. When he made it out alive, once he knew he was going home, Rudy knew only two things for sure. One, that he was gonna be with Nancy. And two, that he was never going to fight again. Once the war was over, I didn't, I didn't have any more uh, desire to enter the ring. For two and a half years, strangers were trying to kill me almost every day. And so fighting was just so, I, you know, when I came home, I was so relieved. Just to get in and bang somebody around again, you know, I just was almost a pacifist after that. 
Rudy got back home to Pittsburgh at midnight. And first thing in the morning, he went to Nancy's house. So I went down to her home. I knocked on the door, and uh, there was nobody, nobody answered. So I walked around the front, and she's hanging clothes on the line. And she sees me, and she wasn't expecting me. We embrace. She started to cry. And at first I thought, well, she's crying. She was happy to see me. But that wasn't it. She said, I met somebody else. <laughs> I noticed she was wearing a field jacket with, a, with the bars of a second lieutenant. And she gave me the guy's name. And I said, I know this guy. I said, are you sure that this is what you want to do? And she said, yeah. I said, you kept me waiting two and a half years and you couldn't tell me? She said, right after I got your letter saying that you were going to go to the Pacific Theater, I decided I wasn't going to wait anymore. Uh, and then a big disappointment. Yeah, and that's all I thought about. Yeah. <laughs> Rudy was obsessed with Nancy and her new boyfriend for months. He could not get over it, because for the first time, he had no recourse, no way to confront this other man. I used to drive down and just parking out, you know, sit around her home, watch, just to see. I was just curious about this guy. In fact, Rudy did see him once, Nancy and her man crossing the street in front of Sears. They embrace, you know, he kisses her, and then I watch him, they walk down, he disappeared into a theater. And just all the ones that just washed over me, well, that's it. So if you hadn't gone to war, what would you have done? Do you think you would have fought for her? Oh yeah, 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 I think so. But I felt like I had enough of fighting. Not to worry, not to worry. Let it be known, there is hope for the brokenhearted. Rudy eventually did get over Nancy and went on to have a beautiful family and a long career with the FBI. He and his family now live on their wineries that's right. There are wineries near Calistoga, California, and he's currently working on a memoir as well. You earned it, Rudy. You earned it. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.